Welcome back to Classroom Brew. This week we have the continuation, well, really the first conversation between John from Midwest Bostonian and myself from Classroom Brew. So this episode, I'm going to let John take it away in terms of introducing the show. But essentially, I got to be on Midwest Bostonian and talk about my show, but we're also going to use this opportunity to allow John to kind of promote his show as well. So hope you guys enjoy this episode. We talk about a wide range of topics in the classroom, anything from uh, some of the stories that I've told on here and other people that have been on the show uh, to different solutions to issues in the classroom and things that you might not realize in terms of maybe being a parent or an adult and not recognizing the things that teachers go through in the education setting today, since it is such a different world. All right, without any further ado, you're going to hear my intro music, and then when we come back, it'll be John taking it away for the second week. Welcome back to the Midwest Bostonian. This week we're talking with one of my favorite guys because we're talking about one of my favorite things. And we have the podcaster from Classroom Brew. Uh, welcome to the show. Why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your show? Sure, sure. Thanks for having me. Uh, so my name oh, no is problem. Ryan. And uh, so I'm actually a high school teacher in the urban city. And so I, I started a podcast because uh, some friends of mine, we always get to talking and we were thinking, hey, why not sit down, have a few beers and make a podcast out of it? So it's become a good uh, little hobby there. And of course, a good excuse to get together with some friends, right? That's a good time. Of course. And it's, it's kind of cool too, because we were part of this, this Facebook group here. It sounds like you and I were, were on like the same page with, you know, when we launched and where we're at with our, not just skills, but also, you know, how many episodes we've posted so far. So it, it's nice to have that support and, you know, have somebody you can connect with, too. Yeah, what I like about podcasting is, uh, for being able to listen, it's not too hard to start. And you really do make a lot of friends that are interested in similar subjects that you are. That's what I found out with the experience so far. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, especially, uh, so you've got a really cool thing, because so my format, I'm kind of limited at times with, you know, who I have on. Uh, but your format, you can really, you know, network out to different types of podcasts and different niches and that sounds awesome yeah it's fun um so with yours what kind of is the format um so you sit down with your friends and uh do you actually have beers while you have it or do you discuss beer i mean what what's kind of the uh that's the name but what's the actual physical format yeah so we it started off as you know just a few friends here and there uh sitting down having a beer and talking about it uh but we're really trying to expand to like allow for other people that maybe they talk at like a professional development or they have something they really want to talk about, they need a format. So it's really expanded, but it still kind of centers around, you know, sitting around just chatting. Like we, we don't have a studio or anything. It's just in my living room for now. Uh, and it really just kind of keeps it relaxed. And even the people that are a little hesitant to, you know, sit in front of a mic, they eventually become at ease with the whole setup and situation of it. I think that's the key is making people feel comfortable because what I what I like to do on podcasts, it sounds like you have a similar point of view, is it's basically just to get that conversation out there and, and get people in their natural element as soon as uh, possible so that they share the real side of themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And I've I've also found too, and I'm not sure like how long you have your episodes running, 
but I've also found that people are willing to listen to, you know, episodes that are a little bit longer, like the 45 to 90 minute episodes. Uh, when you'd think that, you know, in an age where people want something now and they want it fast, they wouldn't invest for something more than 20 minutes or so. But I think people want to hear that banter, right? So, I mean, I'm not sure. Like, how long How long has yours been running for, typically? Well, the reason, the reason I started mine is I was actually on uh, a beer podcast uh, where okay. the podcast was basically <laughs> each week the person uh, sampled a Wisconsin beer. And we talked about the beer and, and like, uh, you know, it's about Wisconsin beers and how they were crafted and stuff like that. And the way he did his show was he had his show go for an hour. And when it's free form and all that, I was sitting there doing the show and I was kind of like, all right, we're kind of searching here near the end to find stuff. And, and so from my point of view, I, I like to do the shorter shows that Pete, so what it does, you do a shorter show, you just end up doing more episodes and the subject matter changes. Cause I, I just think that people, uh, People want to, their attention span. They want to hear something else. But I've heard from listeners, to your point, that uh, a lot of my listeners listen while they're at work and they um, want it to keep going because they're running around doing their job. Or um, I have a good friend, uh, uh, Mel, that she listens to it while she's at the gym. So she wants them to last longer, to uh, last for their workout time. So it's kind sure. of a, a mess of mess. And so in my mind, I figure if I do keep them all around, a half hour, then I just got to do double of the amount. And as long as I have the the total amount of time and I've set it up so uh, one episode plays into the other, it kind of it kind of evens out. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you on that. It's also tricky too if if you have like a conversation that you know you're just having a good time with it, or you really like where it's going. Uh, you like almost don't want to cut it off. I I even tried. So our 16th and 17th episodes, they were just a continuation of. Uh, so like 17 was a continuation of 16. And so that really, yeah. it was some listeners are kind of like, oh man, you gave us a cliffhanger, but, uh, it actually worked out though, because it allowed me to, you know, not cut. There's actually someone that listens to the podcast. He was okay. my guest and he's also a teacher. Uh, yeah. so it was great because didn't cut him off, but we also were able to get some extra content out of it for people that maybe they don't want to donate a solid two or three hours, but they want to hear that whole, you know, banter and topical conversation the subject matter you have is more complicated and could string out longer because you're, you're talking about set topics especially in regard to education uh, where i'm talking to people about subject matter that is you know usually we, we tell we talk we tell a story and i've cut people in the separate uh, several episodes because when they tell their story their stories can end and then they go into a different part of conversation so i'm lucky enough where um, I have multiple episodes where I've cut some of them at the same time, but they cut off when the conversation changes to uh, a to totally new kind of topic. Usually people start talking about themselves, and then later on, I have this really good person I talked to that it actually turned into three episodes from Ireland, where uh, she had a story about going to Ireland and then how it turned into uh, this business that she teaches people how to visit Ireland inexpensively. So it ended up being two totally different topics. And that's what's really good is uh, I can cut it and people don't feel that cliffhanger feel. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good too. Unless you want that cliffhanger feel. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> do you good. get a lot of uh, people that come to you for the, the beer name and then stick <laughs> for the education or vice versa? Do you really 
uh, make beer a topic of your conversations or is it just to say, hey, we're basically chilling with a beverage kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's more so the latter. Just kind of we happen to have like a beer or two on like a Friday or Saturday, you know, after the week is over. Uh, it yeah. certainly helps to say. So like some people like talk about like, well, should we start paying people to be on podcasts? I don't have to worry about any of that, even if I don't know the person that's going to be on beforehand, because it's just, hey, if I supply, you know, a case of beer or something like that, you feel like chatting on a couch for, you know, 30 to 45 minutes or so. Uh, yeah. So it really helps to kind of, and again, it keeps them at ease too. But uh, for the most part, I've had some people on uh, that they don't teach in like the pure sense, like maybe they have some sort of relation to education. Like we're going to have a, a police officer that he goes into middle schools all the time uh, to educate them on like cybersecurity. But I'm, uh-huh. it, it's more so the classroom element over the brew element uh, that our, our name kind of indicates. Yeah, I think it's, it's a uh, good time, though. I think you got a great a way to get guests. I'll tell you that when I was doing the uh, the beer podcast, he's like, hey, I don't have somebody to co-host with me this week. And it's like, oh, I don't know, man. I'm. You know, and you start giving the excuses of having to go over. Well, I have beer. It's like, all right, I'll be <laughs> over, and you always come over. Yeah, it's a great way to motiv- motivate everybody, right? Yeah. It's also kind of cool because it, it also networks itself into. So, like, I've had uh, a guest on that brought his own kind of hometown beer. He's from like the northwest suburbs, and he was oh. like, "I think you'll like this. It's kind of like a a fresh but hoppy kind of beer. I can't remember the name of it." Uh, but it was kind of cool to also plug that too. So I yeah. think we might want to might want to start making more of a an effort since the name is Classroom Brew to maybe talk a little bit more about what we are drinking at the time. Yeah, well, what's what really interesting about when I was doing it, at least it, it was just like a five minute thing where um, he'd just say, "Well, while we're talking today, we're drinking." He always picked the Wisconsin beer because that's where he's he was from. Uh, we're drinking this, and it's made by this brewery. And here's like he I forget what it was he gave some number that was always the bitterness factor. And then we talk about other things while we're trying it out. And then at the end, it'd be like, okay, we finished the six pack of the beer. Would you drink it or dump it? (laughs) And so most of the conversation really wasn't about the beer, but he at least like he started and ended with, so the reason we got together is to try this thing. Right. It's almost like uh, Jerry Seinfeld's comedians talking in cars or whatever. The whole format yeah. has nothing to do with the cars, but they also, at the beginning and the end, they kind of highlight what the car is, right? Yeah, it's kind of similar. It's kind of similar. The, the one thing that sucked, the big epic fail, it was called Ghost Ship, I think. He brought this beer called Ghost Ship because he always does a, a, a Halloween or, or a scary type <laughs> of episode once a month out of his three. He does once a week. And so okay. he brought Ghost Ship for, he calls it Strange Brew. And this beer was chunky. I mean, really? <laughs> chunky to the point where we're both like oh hell no i'm not i'm <laughs> not, not even going me. near that I, I am not touching this it was it was shit beer and so did the episode post it posted but we had to pour it out and end up drinking uh one we already had the week before and then the worst <laughs> part is he uh put it up there about how it was chunky and all gross and uh his some of his listeners went back and said um Ghost ship is unfiltered. That's real chunks of oranges. So it actually, in the end, was good beer, but it didn't say on it unfiltered or okay. hey, real orange <laughs> chunks. And so we thought it was spoiled. I got you. That's awesome. I was like, there's no way. Me being from Boston, I'm like, there's no way in hell I'm drinking that pudding beer. <laughs> it's not gonna happen. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm a. Most of the time, it's not the taste; it's the texture that's the issue with foods and and drinks, right? 
Yeah. I'm with you. Uh, nothing chunky for me. I, I don't even have pulp <laughs> in my orange juice, but hell no. If yeah, I'm that's, in my beer. Oh, God, no. I can't do that. No way. <laughs> I'm in the same boat. So what's a good, uh, what's a good kind of, you're 19 episodes in, maybe from the early days, uh, story about getting into the show or setting it up or actually an episode yourself that you did that you kind of want to share. That's like maybe an interesting story. That's kind of a sidebar from an episode you did or a couple episodes uh, to kind of give us sure, a taste. Yeah. Uh, no pun intended. Yeah. yeah. Right. Being teachers and sometimes we're sharing stories here that they might be funny or they might be sad or encouraging, frustrating, things like that. It's always kind of tricky for us. So like, that's why we don't really share like last names or school names or anything like that. We've had a few people that, you know, I'm friends with or I've contacted and they're like, oh, I don't know, I'm, I'm not really sure if I want to put myself on the show because of those reasons for privacy. I'm nervous. So we were early on and I was able to get, you know, a few friends on and we we set the ground rules. And this was uh, episode two. Uh, it was called Airdropped Porn. because uh, <laughs> Oh, good enough. <laughs> yeah, right. That's a, a real good catchy title to get people to listen. right? Especially but, for uh, teachers. Yeah. I'm just going to fast forward this part because you guys have all heard the airdropped porn story, either on the original episode or on the episode that was last week where I told him about this the first time. Keep in mind, this is audio that we originally lost, but then we were able to recover, hence the reason for the repeat story. It's always my favorite. All right, back to the interview. Well, it's just funny, though, how you know you, you take all these courses as you're getting your, your license and your degrees and all this stuff, and it, it's really all the shit that you don't really anticipate. You know, especially in a modern technology world like like we live today, like literally porn is falling from the sky, and you don't you don't really know how to how to handle that at first because you didn't prepare for it. And how could you? Well, and I think it's such a big problem. Just the the whole phone thing in school scares me. You know, is people oh, yeah. are paying attention, but the I just don't understand. You know, I okay, I get it, but it's, I think it's the age people keep getting given things smaller and smaller and, and younger and younger in their ages. And hell, I remember 18 sneaking out, trying to get some guy to buy me a Playboy magazine. And, and you think about the innocence <laughs> when you look at a Playboy magazine compared to like literally just anything you could ever want with just typing something into a search engine. Right. I don't see how that can, how that cannot degrade people's uh, moral compass and the way they would act in a school, especially when, you know, the teachers are outnumbered by the students. And I don't know if parents are as into rearing their kids as they were in my age either. I mean, does that, do you oh, notice yeah. that as a teacher? Oh, absolutely. I mean, and it might not, like, not always with like pornographic material, but uh, the simple access of cell phones. So like when I was in school, phones were like, this was, we're talking 07 to 2011 when I'm in high school. And so phones were a thing, but they weren't as prevalent. But it was a simple matter of if, if they even saw a phone, they would take it for the entire day. Your parent had to come after school to get the phone back and you'd be disciplined. Nowadays, you see a kid on the phone, you, you try to redirect them to, you know, eliminate that distraction, put the phone away. Uh, and I'm okay with them listening to music. Sometimes, you know, they function better if they've got like a quick little song in the background. But it becomes like this weird raising or upbringing with parents versus rules in the classroom where you're saying, put the phone away. And they just go, well, I'm only texting. And you're like, yes, that's the actual issue that I'm trying to address right here. So it's it's really weird how you always say like, oh, yeah, my kids, and you're referring to your students. But it's almost crazy how 
and this isn't new. This has happened before cell phones are an issue. But you really are starting to build these these good habits as you're trying to raise these kids, you know, work on their academic skills, but also teach them something like, hey, when someone's talking to you, don't be looking down at your screen. You look them in the eye. That's that's a respect thing. And, yeah. you know, avoiding those distractions that, and we're all guilty of doing it, but we got to try to build those skills somewhere. So it's, it's, it's always a struggle. It's always one of those things you just kind of have to, at the end of the day, you sit down, you have a beer and you talk about it with everybody else yeah. that you can commiserate with. Well, how bad really is it? Because you think about it, you know, in my day, okay, there wasn't phones going around in the class, or at least to the level of today. And when that wasn't happening, they're passing notes or throwing things right. at each other. Or when the teacher turns their back, they do all kinds of things. I mean, from a distraction level, do you really think it's any worse than it was back then trying to get kids to focus? Or do you, you know, because I just don't see what you see, right? Or yeah. is it no, like, I, I dude, it's, it's off the hook, like you don't understand? I mean, what would you say? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree 100%. If it's just them sending a quick text or something like that, uh, like I've even told students, if you've got something going on outside of school and you need to step into the hallway to take a call or something like that, just let me know. I think I'm pretty reasonable. Because mm. texting really did just replace those little folded up notes that you used to pass. And if they got intercepted, your teacher would always read it out loud or send you down to the office or something. I think it's really, it also depends on the individual student too. So if I see a student that I know they get the content, I know they're going to ask questions and they're going to get back on task and get things done, then I might just make it a quick, like, hey, just make sure, you know, you're doing what you have to do, limit those distractions. But then you also have, you know, the students that maybe they have a 45% in the class or less because they're not getting stuff in or they have poor attendance because they're doing God knows what during, you know, passing periods or whatever. So, I mean, yeah. it, it is a case-by-case -case basis. I know some teachers, they they make a bigger deal out of it uh, than I might. But at the same time, you know, <laughs> you also have to cover your own ass, right? If someone comes oh, in yeah. to observe you for your evaluations and you've got three or four kids on their phones, that doesn't look good. So it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a weird, for me, this is my first year uh, as a licensed teacher. It's a weird line to kind of walk with. Do I, all right, do I make a bigger deal and then you know, get everyone all pissed off and they're not going to want to learn from a teacher they don't like? Or do I try to like intermittently redirect it? Or do I say, no, we're drawing the line here just so I can cover my own ass when it comes to evaluation time? I think if you say that to kids, and especially <laughs> depending what grade you're if you're like flat out, look, I don't want to be like this, but you understand I'm graded as you're graded. Here's the heart to heart, maybe even a one-on-one -on -one of, Look, if if I let you screw off, and then I don't get a good grade, I think that would make sense to me as a kid. I'd be like, "Oh, I didn't think of it that way." Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, and sometimes you, it does work, but a lot of times, especially with kids in the middle and high school level, they don't quite have that empathy to understand yeah. that, or they they can't make those comparisons. So if you if you compare like a verbal history, and they're like, "Oh, well, I already know all that. I, I already know it from my mom or dad." And you're like, all right, well, then focus on the skill of analyzing it, taking notes on it, just like you would if you had read a book in middle school, but then you're reading again in high school. Maybe you just did a summary in middle school, but now in high school, you're doing a different task. And they'll say, well, that's yeah. different. That's a book because <laughs> they can't make the yeah. connection between, you know, the content and the skill or that comparison you're trying to make between you're being assessed this way, I'm being assessed another way. 
let's try to avoid the cell phone issue so that we both can do well. So yeah, in, in some cases, it, it would work. But if I were to make sure, point. I would understand. Yeah, that's an amazing point to me of, you know, I think me not being in your world and uh, seeing from the outside and having a child is you see the kids grow up so fast with the other things that I don't think they should be seeing yet, just my personal opinion, but they do. So you assume that the rest of them grew up that fast as well. And what you're saying is it's really worse than you think is the things they're seeing they're not ready for because their minds just can't see it as the way we do. And I think a lot of adults forget that, that what this stuff, what they're seeing, they're just not physically, chemically ready for. Yeah. And sometimes it's overwhelming because you have to be the one to start to implement that, especially if they don't have the home environment that can foster that. No pun intended there, but yeah, it's, it's the battle that we, uh, we take on, I guess. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, especially I'm sure in, in a city type environment, it's probably worse than a country environment because, uh, I'm sure you have overcrowding and that type of stuff. And, and there's only so many people you could watch and at one time. Right. 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 Yeah. If you have a class of 32 people, it's not going to be the same as if you only have 10 or 15. Unfortunate, but that's the world we live in, I guess. Yeah. The, the question that I've been dying to ask you since we talked about the, the note thing was, so, you know, it, like you said, it was usually like the kids that were passing the notes. It's like, all right, how many times am I going to warn you? If you do it again, I'm going to do something about it. And they take the note and read it to class. And that's such a common story. And I've had it happen to me. And I've seen it happen to a bunch of people. But I wonder in this day and age, if you did the same thing, and you got to the point and you grabbed the cell phone and went to read what was on their cell phone. I wonder what kind <laughs> of like, it's almost like, uh, okay, now you're, you know, I'm saying this. Okay. I'm just grabbing a note like I used to do, but I wonder what kind of trouble the teacher would get. And if they tried to do yeah. what they did in the past, cause you like, do you have rules that, okay, they can have their phone. Like what are school rules? If I pick up their phone and read their text and try and do it like old school, would you be the one in trouble or how would that work out? Yeah, I, I wish I could tell you too because phone policy, it's so new that schools don't have a streamlined set of rules. For me, I'll just, at a certain point, if it's more than two redirects, I'll just take it for the period. Uh, and that usually avoids the problem altogether. I honestly would be a little scared to take a phone and read what they're saying because I mean, like we've been saying, these kids are super young. They're not fully developed, but they're exposed to and experiencing all these really adult things that they probably aren't ready for. And so sometimes it's just you don't want to, you know, you don't necessarily want to know. You just want to correct the the behavior. Because yeah. yeah, <laughs> if it were my luck, yeah, and if it were my luck, I'd wind up with something like Peter's assistant principal had when they had to figure out, all right, what's being airdropped? And they're like, oh, shit, it's pornographic material. That's just a whole, I do not want to see that, deal with that. Yeah. I don't want to be afraid to take the phone, to your point. Yeah, that's it's a weird issue. Some people claim that if you take the phone, that you're then in possession of that inappropriate material. I, I'm not really sure. Wow. Uh, it's a really weird, <laughs> a, a weird line to walk. I'm in the technology business and I just see the instant need for what using the, the Wi-Fi to, you could use the same antenna to just block the cell signal so they can't, uh, they yeah. can't use the cell. And just when they're in the school, it just, it just shuts the signal down to nothing, you know? I wish we thought about making like an illegal, <laughs> like wireless and data scrambler, but, uh, we decided, nah, let's, let's play it safe there. 
they did uh they changed the password on the school Wi-Fi. You would have thought that we took away, you know, like one of their parents based on how like devastated these kids were <laughs> that they didn't have the Wi-Fi password. And they were there were actually some students that were very entrepreneurial. They were selling a fake password, claiming it was <laughs> the new password. They were like, Yeah, it's <laughs> it's two bucks or a bag of chips for, for the new password. Oh my gosh! <laughs> that's the that's the currency, I guess. See, I would have I would have put I would have put my phone on the menu where I could stream with its own password, and I would have charged them per hour to use my data. There you go. It could have yeah, made a lot of money off of that. Yeah, because I could have probably got the whole class on, and each class I could have <laughs> made so much per student. I would have been right. like the king. Well, especially because at a certain point, when they had access to the Wi-Fi, they would be Facebook live in like. Hey guys, like to all their fans that they've got. Hey guys, just in class, catch you later. Like Jesus Christ! Like, <laughs> oh my gosh! And then you're on the internet on their phone. <laughs> yeah. Oh man! Oh, exactly. I am 100% positive. So I've uh, had to break up a few fights in the hallways, and of course you see the phones. Uh, I'm 100% confident. At a certain point, I'm going to wind up on uh, what's that? That fight website? It's like World Star something or other, where they post school fight videos. And, Oh, I've seen that. Yeah, I don't know the name, but I know oh. what you're talking about. Yeah, it's oh man. <laughs> but that makes people want a entrepreneurial. That that forces kids fighting. Why wouldn't they shut those sites down? Right. Exactly. Crazy uh, world. I mean, I know, right? Compared to what we had when we were growing up. Oh. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's all. I guess I don't know. It's the only word I have. Evolution, right? <laughs> <laughs> I guess yeah, it might be might be de-evolution in some senses, but yeah, absolutely. It is the. It's just how things are developing. But things have to turn to a renaissance in some regard. Something will happen that I think, like you said, the cell phone things all new. I think eventually there will be standard set or something, and it'll all. It'll, everything always evens out. Oh yeah, absolutely. And even still, it's not like your school day is going to go perfectly. I mean, no. what are most of the stories that we have from when we were in high school? Oh, so and so got in trouble because they threw an apple in the lunchroom. At the end of the day, it's it's all them learning and developing and trying. <laughs> different social behaviors to get to where they need to be when they walk across that stage. Yeah. And like you said, but back in the day, you'd pick up that same note and go, Oh, Sally likes Jim. And now you pick it up and there's a pecker on there. You know, it's just like, Oh my God. <laughs> oh God. That sounds like my worst nightmare right there. But yeah, that's, that's unfortunately, that's a possibility. Wow. Just, just scary stuff. And then now do, does your school give out, Laptops to the kids? Yeah. So, I mean, we're in a very big district that has a lot of financial struggles. So uh, we do have like Chromebook carts, but we're not a one-to-one -one school, uh, which is a, a big transition for me because I, I student taught in a school where they got a Chromebook day one and they had that until they graduated. Yeah. And that's what, that's what my son, my son has. And so in a way it gives, I think you're better off in one regard is it gives a message like to the parents and the kids are like, well, you're telling my kid to not use their phone, but you're giving them a laptop. Right. And so it turns into this whole nother argument of, well, why are you giving them technology then? Yeah, no, I'm with you. And I, I remember when I was student teaching, it was a, a matter of, so let's say a student finished all they had to do. They didn't have any missing assignments. And if they're done for their task of the day, they might pull out their phone. But that school was at the point where the rule was, no, no, if you have free time, do it on your Chromebook that we provided, not your phone. So, I mean, it's it's a weird, because, like, what's the difference? That's what I would ask if I was a student. 
but it's nice that it sets that standard so that, you know, the behavior starts to become pervasive throughout the whole school so that yeah. students are only on the school provided, you know, network and the school provided Chromebook, things like that. But to your point of the, the kids, what they do on their phones is um, nasty is the only way I can think of in some, some cases. I'm sure it's not a lot, but would you rather do it on their personal device or a computer that the school provides? I know for a fact that things happen on those Chromebooks that shouldn't happen. I, there, mm. there's, you know, you look at these kids, they're smarter than most adults on some of the computers and the computer that they're given from school. I'm sure the things that pass through those Chromebooks was never intended. <laughs> yeah. And I, I could see that. And now that to that point you brought up, it kind of makes me think maybe they want it on the network and on their device so that they can at least monitor or pass some disciplinary action. So like if you're on, uh, there were cases that we used in my, my civics classes to study like free speech. Uh, and yeah. as long as the student was on like a school computer, school network, on school grounds or at a school function, that was something that could be punishable under the school code. So maybe, yeah. maybe that's why that's their, their go-to for let's avoid it now that they know that if they're on some sort of school time property or network, maybe, maybe that was their thinking. I didn't even think of that before too. But that's a great idea, especially if they put legalese up every day. You, let's say you log into your Chromebook or you give them the Wi-Fi. Because uh, I know like if I go to Applebee's and I say, okay, I want to use Applebee's free Wi-Fi. And it says, yeah, yeah. okay. And then it won't, won't let me start until I go into my browser. And the browser is this Applebee's page saying, hey, you're in the, this Applebee's Wi-Fi and there's all these rules written in small print. Do you agree? And you're like, well, I want the free Wi-Fi, so of course I do. And if the school right. did that and put up a thing, use the same thing on the Chromebook and on everybody's phone that says, uh, if you're using this Wi-Fi service, we're free to monitor this and the stuff that you do on the phone or on the laptop is property of the school while you're on the school Wi-Fi, that could end up being the way to handle it because then you're like, yeah. in the morning now, just remember, guys, I don't have to look what you're doing. Hey, guy that's not listening, just remember, I don't have to go look at your phone because uh, I'm just going to tell the IT department, you're in chair 32. I'm letting the IT department to take a look at your phone for the last hour because I think you're screwing around. That sure as hell would stop it. Right. Yeah. No, it takes the power out it's... of you. Then you just say, guy, I'm reporting you to IT. So instead of writing a detention slip, you write this IT form. Yeah. Yeah, especially if you so they, maybe they have it at the beginning of the year. I'm not sure, but for sure, if they do it every single time they log in or they open it up or they go to a different page or something like that, that I think that's probably a good solution right there. Yeah, I, I mean, they have to. There's no way you're going to mandate it, so they should have the IT department mandate it. Then you make that same message come for every Wi-Fi, and then you don't care what the hell they're on and. And then it takes the power right. out of your hands. You're like, I'm just, you know what? I think we're at a point where the IT principal, maybe there's a new role. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to report a separate you to assistant them. principal. Yeah. Yeah. The IT principal, it's probably going to be in police or something. The school cybersecurity department, I'm going to have to write a form out for you because you're just, uh, you're on there too much and they have the right to look and I need to know what you're doing instead of paying attention. Shit, man, right. that would shut me up. <laughs> Yeah, I like that idea. It'd be you'd need a really strong administration, but that yeah. if I had a one-to-one -one school, that's that's what I'm implementing. Hell yeah! Well, even if you didn't, just to just to control the phones, because you just don't. Yeah, 
You don't know what's going That's through true, those yeah. phones. Exactly. Good thought. Might bring that up at the next meeting. Oh, God. <laughs> don't bring up any of my ideas. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I, I think you have to normalize it somehow or you, or you have a yeah, wild – don't you feel it's a, it's a wild west at your school, right? Oh, yeah. That's what – well, in terms of – well, pretty much any school, actually, if they don't have something in place that, you know, I could just be ignorant and not aware of what they have in place, but you got to start somewhere. Yeah. Well, it would be kind of cool if you just give them all phone cases and you have a little button and you can electrocute them whenever you want. That would be kind of <laughs> cool. That's like the CIA when they and when you uh you get to that opening interview. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie The Recruit. No. They had the if you dozed off, you, they would send a few shocks up your ass on the chair. Oh, I you know, well, depending on that one kid, he might the one that was doing the airdrop, he might have enjoyed it. So you don't know, right? That's true. You got to be you got to be careful with that. You don't know who's out there. <laughs> yeah, you know. As a teacher, do you go, I mean, is it just because we're talking about it, right? It's on your mind. But do you actually go on the school cognizant and fearful in some regard? I think I've got a reputation. We're only, what, six months into the year. I, I think I'm very comfortable and, you know, students have that comfort with me where they realize, all right, let's not push it. We've already tried to push the boundaries and they're not moving. Yeah. Uh, so that I think that really helps where I, I'm not put into a bad position by students and I don't put myself, you know, into those bad situations, which is, yeah. I think, and I'm not sure it might be my disposition. Maybe I just overprepared because I used to work in a, a psych facility, but it, I've been really lucky as a first year teacher that I'm in a great comfort zone. That's good. Yeah. I can see where a lot of the, the new breed of teacher, I'm sure is trained for those type of things, but I feel bad for you know, the older teachers that can't even use an email and all of a sudden they're surrounded by this technology and they're like, snap what? And yeah, right. they just don't know, like you said, in their mind, I'm sure it's happened where the teacher treats it like a note and they pick up the phone to read the note because for the last eight years or 18 years, that's how they handled it. And then they're like, oh, <laughs> yeah, it absolutely. So you're actually yeah. better off being a younger teacher. The older teachers may not have that training of, look, I'm coming in and I ain't taking no shit. Sure. And especially, I think even, so not even just like what you're used to, but that relatable factor. So I'm yeah. not, I'm really only like, what, 10 years older than some of these kids. Whereas someone that oh, maybe yeah. they graduated in high school in the seventies, they've got, you know, quite a bit of distance between them and the way things are now. And I guess that goes back to, you know, empathy, like I was talking before, not just by students, but Teachers have to show it too. Yeah, I, 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 that's a great point. And it, what it shows me is that exactly what you're saying is the the teachers grow with the students as the rules change. Like you said, is the age of the teachers stay relatable to the students? And I guess there's there's something to say about um, keeping the talent fresh in some regard. Yeah, absolutely. Especially with all the changes going on in education right now and the whole mess that's happening in Washington and. It's, we all have to adapt. Yeah. And what what you what class do you teach? What subject matter? Yeah, so I've got U.S. history and uh, civics right now. So that, that replaces the old government class. So rather than, you know, them memorizing the branches of government and the requirements, uh, it's, it's focused on their engagement with uh, civic society. Wow. And then U.S. history. U.S. history is my baby. That's my favorite one. And that's because it was probably your, your favorite class all along. Like my son, he just... He's absolutely, it's amazing how many people are enamored with history. And I think it's actually tied to the web is history wasn't interesting back when I was first in school because you just read it for some book, but with the internet, 
history has become interesting, especially History Channel and all that. You bring history to life, and I really think there's a lot more history fans out there than there ever was. Yeah, absolutely. And especially, so like you were saying, it's not just textbook stuff. I haven't used a textbook all year because that's how I was trained. It's this new age style of studying history and opening yourself up for interpretation and analysis so that you can interact with it more rather than just memorize it, which is good because we focus a lot on literacy and building those skills so that when they move beyond high school, whether they go into vocational school or college or the workforce right away, they have those practical skills that we can say, all right, here's our objective for today. This is why it's going to be useful, which I think in the past, that was some of a mystery for most students. That's really cool. What would you say with the with the way the new wave is, and it's kind of a different than books and stuff, it doesn't even have to be with your class, but what's the coolest thing that a class did that they learned something, but they put it into some strange application or some strange type mm-hmm. of uh, way of doing it where the class got together and it was just, you looked at it and you said, man, that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of like Pear Deck or Poll Everywhere, but it actually, it utilizes if they have a Chromebook or even, dare I say, if they have a cell phone, they can start to interact with like a poll and you can see results like live updates. Uh, and it really helps for, you know, discussions and things like that. So that, you know, you start to embrace that technology that sometimes we get into the habit of saying, no, 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 get off your phone, get off your phone. But sometimes allowing it, it, it leads to that greater engagement and you have those more in-depth discussions if they're able to use something they're familiar with to learn something that they're unfamiliar with. So do you set it up like a game show and you say, um, here's, <laughs> here's, here's the question, what do you prefer? And instead of raising their hand, they, they press a button on their phone and it says, okay, this percent of the class did that, or is it a bigger nationwide kind of poll thing? Uh, yeah, so like the first option. So I haven't gotten the suck it Trebek responses yet, but you kind of you phrase it as like, here's the discussion question give your response and you have the option of doing multiple choice and you can see statistics or you can do like a blank response and they can type out whatever they want. You have to be a little careful with usernames that they use, but uh, huh. it, it's really cool. It helps them interact with it. I, I think, think the, that's the awesome. best username I got was probably one student wrote D's nuts, which that's a throwback <laughs> to some old vines, but that sucks when D's nuts comes in first place and you're like, ah, shit. <laughs> now what do I have to do? <laughs> that's funny though. You gotta laugh that off, right? Yeah, yeah. You can't take things too seriously. You just have to, you know, laugh with it, let them have their moment, and then, you know, you move on. I wish my son's school had that because he was just telling me the other day that he got asked a question about how he felt. He got asked if he felt, if he felt that what, what Martin Luther King's work did, if Martin Luther King was alive today, would he say his work was done or not? And because my son was told he had the answer, it was he wasn't sure how to answer because he was put on the spot and he didn't want to say how he felt. And like, you know, everybody's so PC these days, but it would be right. better if it said, OK, what do you think? And and they could put what they think in with just some name. And it's like just you're part of the class. You're not being singled out. They'd get better, more comfortable answers than putting somebody on the spot. And I think it would also help us a shy student that might be afraid to raise their hand or say how they feel doing it in that regard, that anonymous factor kind of keeps them more a tied to their, their texting roots and be uh, a way to hide from their shyness. Yeah. And when I was in school, it was the same thing as if you had a teacher that 
recognized shyness and they had you just like a little half sheet of paper and you handed it in and then they maybe went through, you know, they had a basket and they went through some responses and they were anonymous. So same type of thing, just, you know, like you said, they're familiar with texting and Snapchat, Instagram, whatever. So it's just a new format, but the same idea, uh, which is good. That's again, that's adapting. Yeah. And earlier I said evolution. When I was in school, the person that didn't raise their hand enough because they were shy, they got called out. And to them, it was big. I've heard plenty of stories where big humiliating experiences of their lives because they weren't ready to speak in front of a class. But because they were shy, they got put in front. And I just to me, I think good good on the school on that one, because I think it takes away that. Just because someone doesn't talk doesn't mean that they don't care. They just aren't ready yet. Right. Yeah, exactly. And anytime you put someone on the spot, that's a big, big red flag because you don't know what's going on. So that's that's always a good way to, to look at it. And I learned a lot with my show doing that because actually one of the episodes, the episode I just dropped today mm. with the interviews are kind of cold and like you're, you're in one now. It's like there's no preset questions. It's just conversation. And some of the people that you get on, if they're not podcasters or used to be in front of a mic, I feel like I have to kind of help them through it and say, look, we can cut and retake as many times as you want. And it's all good. And, and kind of, it's like, I kind of got to coach them through it. Cause it's like, some of them are really scared to yeah. be on there. And to me, I don't even think about it. And have you found that you're, have you been able to get to that point where if you had to riff for 45 to an hour where you could do it? Like, have you noticed yourself kind of developing as you host this more and more? Yeah, I think, I think also as I've gotten more popular, I'm more, instead of please give me interviews, I can kind of pick who I want to interview. And so because I can pick who I want to interview, I'm more interested in it. Hell, we've been going 52 minutes and I'm not even breaking a sweat yet, you know? Yeah, absolutely. But your 52 minutes will turn to 25 because <laughs> I'm yeah, my, right. my major my major problem with my life is because I'm technical. I edit the shit out of it. I take every um, every ah, every, I look at the entire wave of oh, everything nice. and, and I just, yeah, it's nice, but it takes me forever. Yeah, I think I used to do that. But then I, I I'm not sure it, I'm really terrible about saying ums and uhs, but I, I almost can recognize from when I used to cut those out. I can recognize what the wavelength looks like when I say, um, <laughs> and so, but it's gotten to a point where I guess I subconsciously train myself. I've gotten better about it. So maybe I only have to take out like one or two, uh, and see, there I go. I just said one right there, but it's gotten better where as long as I have some content that I can, you know, go into, or I have someone to converse with, I don't feel like I have to fill that space so much because I'm already going. Oh, I fully agree with you. And I would tell you, even if it was a fake thing, I would have every student do some sort of a podcast and then edit it. I, I become a much better speaker other than the <laughs> delay that we have. I think because of the phone, I've also been a better listener where I realized that the less I talk, the better my show is in the beginning. I thought I had to carry it. And like I said, depending on who you have, sometimes you do, but I get a better show. The less I hear my voice and yeah. the more I edit, I, I'll take a lot of what I'm saying out of the final show because it's maybe coaching it or keeping it along. And I realize that, Hey, this person's carrying themselves, find themselves. And I'll just cut myself out and blip it over. And it's funny. What you just said is I can see every time, as you said it in my head, I know what my little 
uh, bubble <laughs> looks like on the uh, meter now. And I just go right, through right. like tick, 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 tick. Yeah, so fast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I get that though. So like my, my latest episode too, when, when you have a guest on, I'm more than happy to let the, if I have a 50 minute episode and they want to talk for 45 of it, I'm fine with that because I'm going to have episodes in my format where it's just me. So it's not like my listeners haven't heard enough from me. So it's it's nice when you can kind of rely on somebody to maybe not carry it, but they can help fill the space. Because if you're interviewing somebody, you want to hear from them, you know? You don't want to hear – I mean, you, you talk about, like, your input on what they said and you converse on it. But you typically interview someone because you want to hear their take. I, I can't agree more. And, and the more I interview, the more I see that. And if I am carrying the interview – and I have someone on, it's starting to, it's become more of a pet peeve for me if the audience can't carry themselves where I love getting somebody on, like you said, that tells a nice story. And I don't mind if there's questions back and forth, but when it gets to the point of, so uh, you invented the world's first nuclear reactor and that had to be really interesting for you. What was it a great feeling to be the first one to have electricity come out of a nuclear power reactor? Yes. And you're like, what? What the hell's your fucking problem, dude? I just have this great question. <laughs> I had this, this well thought out question and it just dies. <laughs> and that's the stuff that drives me crazy. And, yeah, uh, yeah. But, you know, that's why people are cool. That's, uh, I, I love my concept. And what's amazing is, to your point, is my show is nothing what the first two episodes were supposed to be about. My show is supposed mm. to be about me saying, hey, I'm this city guy that moved to this country kind of different world. And this is what I see differently. My first episode was all about that. And then my second episode was suddenly I was nervous about my son going to the Air Force. And I said, I'm not gonna be able to write this down. And it ended up being three separate episodes about recruiting into the Air Force. And that's actually what propelled um, my listening audience up over 10,000. And now go. I never really talk about I, I let people like you say, hey, here's I, I kind of push the interviews to say, here's my point of view of this is what I see in your world is school world. And this is what I see. And I'll never see that world. So to me, I'm still doing the same thing of the shows about people interacting with culture. But instead of me making fun of Packer fans, it's <laughs> what it, you should still do. Oh, God bless America. <laughs> I, I still yeah, no, say I the, most punished, the most punished thing in the world, the most mistreated, uh, defiled thing in the world is Brent Huntley's gum. <laughs> there you go. Hopefully you got that. Oh, that poor guy. <laughs> I met him before his first game because I was in commercial really? radio and comedy. And I had to go. I played the jerk on the local radio station. And I was Boston Johnny. And I had to come off as this really hot Boston guy. Every week I came on with the accent <laughs> like this. And I made fun of people from Wisconsin every week. And part of my gig was I had to go meet the Packers every week when we did the game plan. And I had to ask them all kinds of questions that made people not like the, not like the Patriots and to make me look like the bad guy because it brought in more ratings. And, <laughs> there you go. In that, and in that I met, I met. I met most of the Packers. It was like, hey, nice. oh, they're pretty talented, nice people. It's the fans that suck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's really what it is. I mean, the, the where I come from, you, you two is like, hey, okay, there's a bunch of sports teams. Like who you want. That's cool. But here they, Christmas, Packer Christmas ornaments. I got a guy a block from me. He made his hedge look like a 
football helmet. He put Green Bay Packer emblems on him. People go to church and ask to be pray Oof. for the Packers. It's like, oh lord, zombie nation, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. I'm from Chicago, so I'm a Cubs fan. I have no problem with the White Sox. I actually hope that their rebuild goes well, you know, because they they've tried selling the name rights to their stadium and the team is doing terrible. They traded away big players. I I feel for them because I'm a Cub fan, so I went through that same that same turmoil a lot. But it's the fans. I cannot stand most Sox fans because, like you said, they're the worst. It's nothing to do with the team. Yeah, and, and I and I can agree because I'm a Cubs fan, and I told you where where I stayed. We actually the weekend after the Cubs won, we went down there for a rugby tournament at Soldier Field, and that same oh, week, that sounds after, awesome. After the Cubs won, after so many years, it was the first time that Ireland beat the New Zealand All Blacks in over 112 years. So we were in the city while both sets of fans were partying. And <laughs> right, it's, it's pandemonium. Just, man, I, felt, I feel for a Cubs fan because the Cubs and Red Sox, in my mind, are very similar. They play in really classic stadiums. Yeah. They went through hell for so many years, and they got screwed over by all these stupid curses and all that. And Seeing the curse be broken, especially when there's ex-Red Sox players in there, it's like, hell yeah. Right. And then, of course, Theo Epstein. He is the big connection between the Red Sox and the Cubs. Yeah. He did it in Boston, then he did it in Chicago. And he knew who to take with him and who to leave behind. He's a smart man. Yeah, exactly. I, I guarantee you, he hasn't bought a beer in three years. There's, there's no way that he is, he's paid for a drink in this city. I bet you he's bought many in Boston now. I bet you he doesn't want to go near yeah. that. Yeah, right. But I think I, if I was sitting next to Theo Epstein in a Boston bar, I sure as hell would still buy him a beer because he brought he brought us to the top too. Yeah, yeah. Even I'm though still, he left, he still, he still yeah. brought a legacy with him. I'm still a big Tito fan. I think Tito got screwed, and I wish he was still there and – so I watch the Cleveland Indians and root for them because I like I like him. No. Yeah, you follow the follow the player. Yeah, just because way. someone leaves, it's not bad. I mean, you want to root for the West Coast Red Sox for a while. They pretty much took all our entire goddamn team to the Dodgers <laughs> in one trade. So you kind of had the root for them. Yeah, yeah, it's like the Athletics. They're like the minor league system for the Yankees, and then you've got. <laughs> You know, you've got LeBron sucking everybody over to Cleveland because they want to play with him, even though he left Cleveland and his jersey was burned. And at the end of the day, you just kind of have to enjoy the players that you like watching, right? You got to be lucky that people have a short memory. That's that's the key. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I know a lot of people that were pissed. Like, how could Cleveland take LeBron back after he did that to them? And it's like, they just want championships. And to watch a great player play. I mean, uh, look at the Bulls. I have a I have a Chicago Bulls twenty three tattoo on my calf. So I mean, no matter where Jordan went, if you weren't still a Jordan fan, you're just stupid. He was so good for the game. <laughs> right? Exactly. Exactly. Of course, he's a player that transcends whatever team you follow. But even still, best basketball memory. memory. I never thought I'd be in the Midwest. I was traveling for work. This is well before I ever thought I'd be in Wisconsin. And I was close enough. And I paid $225 to what I thought was Jordan's last season. Really great seats and sat there and watched him shoot free throws with his eyes shut because all the flashes that would go up for every free throw he shot. And he made every one and it taught me how to shoot free throws with my eyes shut. And <laughs> I'll never, like, I can just talk to you. I can still see myself sitting there. And I, there's not many sports players that can make me feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, there's a show called New Girl. And uh, this character, Nick Miller, he's from Chicago. 
and he's talking about Michael Jordan is the first person to make me realize that it was okay to love a man. <laughs> <It's> like, oh, <laughs> I I I feel that way about Tom Brady. I people are jealous of Tom <laughs> Brady because he's married to Giselle. I'm jealous of Giselle because she's married to Tom Brady. So, <laughs> and then, yeah, if, you're, um, if you're from Boston, you kind of you kind of have to have a, a certain love for, for Tom yeah. Brady. And when you go to the White Sox, I go to White Sox Stadium, and lucky uh, the Red Sox came to to watch Red Sox. The Red Sox came to Miller Park for the first time in forever. And before the game, you're sitting there watching them stretch Dustin Pedroia out. And the guy's laying on the ground. He's got his hand on his inner thigh. And you're like, oh, my God, how does that uh, trainer get paid for that? You lucky bastard. <laughs> I can't even get an autograph and you're touching his thigh. <laughs> it's a different way to look at him. But, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's like, take my seat. I'll, I'll, here, you got that? You got an ot in there, Dustin? I'll take care of that for you. <laughs> but that night there. All the stars aligned when I went to the United Center that night because uh, I went to high school with Scott Burrell. And where I was, he just happened to come out and I yelled, Hamden Dragons. And he looks up and he's like, what the hell are you doing out here? I was from Hamden. And that's where he that's where he was from. It was like you used to see him run around town and this and that. And he was kind of a bench player. But he played played good that night. And I'm going, oh, it's because he knows I'm here from Hamden. And it was like, you know, I got to actually talk to a Chicago Bull. It looks cool. Yeah, I'm awesome. very lucky when I go to Chicago. When I see the Red Sox and I go there, I met Adrian Gonzalez. And it was just uh, always good. Chicago's great luck. What we should do is, because I go down there enough in the summer, we should hook something up where we're on down there and say, here, let's meet at the Chicago Pizza Place here and pull the mics out. And let's uh, let's do a, yeah, a dual podcast from a pizza studio. Well, I'll have to grab a beer <laughs> and we'll have to talk about school. But I'd love to do that. Absolutely. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Let me know. Good thing. See, we've got each other's numbers. We gotta, we gotta set that up sometime. And that's what's good about this is, you know, some people you click with. I probably stopped recording the show probably ten minutes ago. And we're just shooting the shit now, but <laughs> you make friends yeah. out of it, you know. And that's what that's what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. And even there's probably some listeners too that they like the banter too of it. But like you said, some of the best episodes I've had are the ones where I stopped recording, but you hang out and talk for. God knows how long. We're going to skip ahead a little bit here because this was just John and I just kind of shooting the shit and talking. Uh, but this should be the part where we wrap up this interview. Uh, hey, we really enjoyed talking today. Um, great conversation. It's amazing how we went into uh, technology mixed with uh, school. And, and I learned a lot as a parent and just as a, a interviewer in general. And I'm happy that we're able to co-promote each podcast with saying that. Do you have any plugs or anything you'd like to get across that we can leave the episode with and maybe a piece of advice for the listeners or anything in that regard to end the episode with? Because we really enjoyed having you on today. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. This was this was awesome. It was a good time. I mean, we got stuff that's in between the recording times that we just were kind of, you know, talking and chatting. But if you do want to check out Classroom Brew, we're on iTunes and YouTube and Google Play. Uh, so if you want to check that out, there's also some social media. So like facebook.com slash classroom brew. There's also a Twitter and Instagram handle, which is real simple. It's just at classroom brew. Uh, we recently got into Stitcher as well. So we're really trying to expand and we've got a custom track coming out. So if you ever want to listen, we've got all kinds of episodes where, you know, we talk about things like airdropped porn or episode six, where the title is, it's not okay to fart on your friends because... A friend of mine, Kimmy, had to literally teach a lesson on why it's not okay to fart on your friends to students. So, you know, whether you want to check out an episode or two or give it a quick review or spread the word for someone that might be interested in it, 
for sure the big takeaway, regardless of what episode you want to listen to, is whenever you are frustrated by a teacher or if you're not sure, like, oh, are they really underpaid or are they struggling or do they have an easy job, just take a second. Think of all the crazy stuff that we go through sometimes. And we do it because, you know, we care. We want these students to do well. But try to be on their side whenever you see some crazy stuff in the news. And I, and I can't agree with that more. And Midwest Bostonian, uh, thanks for uh, having us on as well. And thanks for being on our show today. What we are, pretty easy to get to. Uh, we have a website domain that sends you to all the cool stuff, uh, MidwestBostonian.com. Uh, you can catch us uh, and listen to us for free on there. We're, we're through Libsyn. Also, uh, we're on iTunes. We're on Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify. Basically, if you name it, you punch Midwest Bostonian. Thanks to the power of our listeners. We've hit over 10,000 listeners. And uh, Midwest underscore Bostonian on Instagram has been a savior for us. We've, uh, <laughs> we've done a contest where we've uh, done a T-shirt giveaway for people that we've interviewed or just fans. If you hold up a sign that says, I love Midwest Bostonian, and you send it to us, we post it on Instagram. Uh, you have a chance to win nice. a T-shirt, and the amount of uh, people that we've had that have done that has been great. I'm also going to invite you as well to uh, do one from your show. Just hold up a little sign that says uh, Chicago loves Midwest Bostonian. We'll put it up on our Instagram as well because our listeners would love to see the pretty face behind that handsome voice. <laughs> Thanks, Josh. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to do that definitely. And then, of course, we gotta we gotta get together sometime and do a, a nice uh, pizza and beer recording or something. Well, I'll force you to go to Gino's East because that's the one for me. <laughs> that's that coast to coast name right there. Ah, there you go. So that was the second and final part. Well, really the first conversation between John and I. So if you liked what you heard from Midwest Bostonian, be sure to check him out on all the places that he mentioned. Just give him a quick Google search and you should be able to find him. Please make sure that you also rate and review Classroom Brew as well as spread the word. That really helps me out, and I really appreciate you guys. For those of you that listen in every week, thank you so much. Uh, next week, I'm not really sure who we're going to have on. I'm lucky because I'm a little bit ahead in terms of recording, so there's a little look behind the curtain for you. But we'll see. We'll figure out what's going to happen. I'm hoping to have on a few people. My department had uh, some, some friends that they've been a little busy. I also have... Uh, here's a quick sneak peek. I also have a friend that has potentially made the decision that resigning at the end of the semester is the best choice for her so i'm really curious to kind of hear what she has to say but also uh you know get back in touch with her and chat and stuff like that without recording and make sure that things are going okay all right thank you guys for listening this week we will see you next time on classroom brew Class dismissed.